Hey everyone, and welcome back to the multidimensional journey. This is your host, Ayahuasca Car, 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 Car. And today's guest is Kyle Buller. He will be talking about his first experience with ayahuasca since this month is all about ayahuasca month. Super excited to get into it with him as he'll take us through his journey and take us deep and vulnerable into not only his ayahuasca experiences, but just some of the experiences he has had in his life. We are super grateful to have Kyle here. So a little bit more from our sponsors, and then we will dive right in. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Multidimensional Journey. This is your host, Ayahuasca Carr. And today we are with our guest, Kyle Buller, um, who has an incredible amount of talent as I'm looking at your CV here. Um, Everything from a breathwork facilitator to uh, co-owner of a very huge company in the psychedelic world, Psychedelics Today, and also um, owns his own business called Setting Sun Wellness, which offers a variety of uh, integration services and and so much more. I I don't know if I'm doing you justice here, but yes, please say hello. <laughs> hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, and you covered it well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, this month on the podcast is Ayahuasca Month, um, and I invited Kyle on here as I heard him in another podcast talking about his first experience with ayahuasca. So today he's going to be sharing um, his experience with us, which we're so, so thankful. And hey, might dig into some some other stuff here too. But um, yeah, where where do we begin? I was wondering um, if you kind of wanted to talk about like your, I saw that you had a near-death experience when you were really, really young, which led you, it was kind of like the doorway into all of this work. Um, and for, you know, a lot of people don't even know, including myself, what a near-death experience is like or what that even is. So do you mind kind of, you know, kind of just describing a little bit of what you went through? Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah. You know, I think near-death experiences can be very different from person to person. Um, you know, sometimes people talk about these near-death experiences of maybe seeing a light, going down a tunnel, meeting maybe spirits or ancestors, guides. Um, I didn't have, I guess, that traditional type of near-death experience, but um, I did come near death. Um, so I got into a snowboarding accident when I was 16 and um, ended up rupturing my spleen. And I lost wow. about about five and a half pints of blood internally. Um, wow. So by the time I got to the hospital, I was pretty out of it and kind of slipping away. And... Um, it was a really intense experience and really um, changed my life. Uh, I definitely had a new way of viewing the world afterwards. Um, and the doctors said, you know, if I came in five or 10 minutes later, uh, you know, I would have been dead on arrival. They, they wouldn't um, had a chance to save me. But um, I don't know if you're curious, I can go in a little bit more detail about that experience. I was kind of giving you the shorthand there. Yeah, no, no, thank you. And I, I, I think... I think my curiosity was 
how it potentially changed your view on life, you know, just maybe going into a little bit more about that. Like what was life like? I mean, I know that's so young too, 16, you're just still shaping (laughs) your life. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, So I don't, I, you know, just in terms of that, like how, how your perspective on life was before. And then after that, was it like, you know, like a switch or. Yeah. You know, it really shook me to the core because I guess it provided Mm -hmm. a new way of seeing and you're right. I mean, it is kind of an interesting time to go through something like that because you're trying to shape your identity and, and who you are as an adolescent. And so I think it was like, um, double the, like, how hard it was you know i was trying to form that personality and i was also struggling with this huge identity crisis so um you know i guess like the peak of this experience was when i was at the hospital um they brought me in thankfully they they medevaced me out got a helicopter from the ski hill and i remember when i was at the first aid station um i thought i i broke some I couldn't breathe. I I heard a loud pop. And um, when I got to the first aid station, they were saying, you know, your ribs are fine. There's no bruising, but we think you might have internal injuries because you have um, very low vitals and you look pretty pale. And at that moment, I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to die tonight. And I wasn't very religious growing up. And so um, it was kind of interesting that I started to pray to God. I said, God, I I know I haven't had a relationship with you, but I'm really scared. And I don't know. I don't want to die tonight. And um, so thankfully, the the first aid folks got a helicopter. They medevaced me out. And I just found out a a few years ago, I guess one of them told my dad that, you know, your son's in his golden hours and he he may not make it. Um, So by by the time I got to the hospital, I was having, I guess what you would call, it felt like an expanded sense of consciousness um, Mm -hmm. where I was, you know, in the, in the emergency room and, you know, they're, trying to take my vitals or they're um, trying to uh, tap IVs into me. And I could hear the the nurses say, like, I can't get his, I can't get a pulse on him. His veins and his upper body are collapsing. But as this was going on, I felt like I started to kind of tune into this, I guess I could call it like this sea of consciousness. I could feel everything in the room and it felt like I tapped into this oceanic feeling where everything was connected. Um, And that was a really interesting experience to have. And it's so hard to really kind of put into words, but um, you know, it was really comforting. I didn't even really think about death at that time. And they told me that that they needed to do a sonogram on me to check out where this um, bleeding was coming from. or they, they needed to see what was going on. And during the sonogram, they, they told me I had massive internal bleeding. Um, so they sent me to the cats to get a cat scan to figure out where this was coming from. And while I was in the cat scan machine, you know, the, I was really starting to slip away. I felt pretty cold. You know, I didn't have any blood circulating through my body. And, you know, I could, the doctors were on the other side and on the microphone and, you know, they just kept telling me, don't fall asleep, Kyle, don't fall asleep. And I was in so much pain and every breath I took was so painful. I was so cold and I was just shivering so much. And the only thing I could really think about was falling asleep because it felt so comfortable. It was the only thing I could do. And as I started to slip away into this, uh, I described as like this white light or some sort of voice um, came over me and said, 
you know, you're going, you're going home. Um, you're going back to the stars where we all come from. Uh, this physical yeah, life is exactly. going to cease to exist, but you're going to continue on. Uh, the harder that you you struggle with this, the harder it's going to be. Um, so the more that you can relax into this experience, the easier the transition will be. And so I really started to relax into it. Um, and, you know, I felt a lot of beauty, bliss and love and excitement that, you know, my soul or spirit was about to, to go on to this thing that I guess we all kind of wait for. Um, in that moment, there, there was a lot of excitement. So, um, I remember everything up until them telling me they were going to do surgery on me. Um, the last, the last couple words I heard was, "Should we use an electric razor or a straight razor?" Um, talking about sh shaving my stomach oh my and, and chest, um, and I, I passed out. And then, you know, when I woke up, uh, I woke up in the ICU, and my family was standing around me. And it, it took me a while to figure out what really happened. I was pretty conscious of the day. I, I, I knew it was New Year's Eve. Um, I remember asking if the ball dropped and when they told me I couldn't have anything to drink, I, I passed out. So over the next few days in, in the um, hospital, things really kind of started to unfold. And there was a sense that I went somewhere um, like deep in my bones and I couldn't really describe it. And so the way that I describe it is that like I woke up with this, this metaphorical map on my chest, um, kind of like having the map of how the world works or some sort of booklet of, um, you know, information and i it's like I, I didn't know where that came from and it kind of haunted me for a very long time of like how do i know the things that i know now because it was like kyle before and then kyle after and um you know, some of it was just the way that I was like viewing life and viewing societal norms and, you know, just like how we, how humans function. Um, and for me, it, it, it just became very existential. Like I couldn't wrap my mind around why we do half the things that we do. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I could see a better way forward um, for the humanity but for some reason we just get caught in these cycles and, and it's really hard to break free from it um so that's like kind of what i was dealing with early on and it definitely made me kind of spiral out um you know going back to school and just trying to um you know be a teenager i was also holding this very heavy existential what the hell is going on am i even alive right now type of thing so wow 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 yeah that is that is so yeah, all of that was super incredible to hear and super vulnerable. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, just like the whole, yeah, slipping away and then getting all those, you know, I call them like, you know, downloads, downloads or whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, yeah. But just like, and to have that, I mean, obviously when you're at 16, it's like um, pretty, I would imagine kind of scary and confusing to have all that information all of a sudden. But for like a larger perspective, it was like almost setting you up for a, a whole different, you know, for a world for you to kind of come into. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wow. 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 Um, and I think, I think this, thank you so much for sharing that. I was just like, wow. Like, you know, a lot of what we go through when we're younger influences like kind of, or shapes us, you know? So when I read that, I was like, wow, I really want to know more about how that kind of shifted things for you. Um, and then, yeah, let's talk about 
let's talk about some ayahuasca, right? Because cool. I, bet, I bet your experiences with your NDE, right, are perhaps maybe maybe a little similar, maybe not. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, so, yeah, I guess even when we were talking, uh, Kyle and I, he was like, yeah, I, when I was listening to that podcast, and I, I don't think I realized from that podcast it was your first time. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was your first time doing ayahuasca? Um, which obviously that's, that's a slight projection, but it's, a. Uh, I was just like, oh, that's, this is this guy who's like super, um, into psychedelics. And I was, so I guess tell us a little bit about your relationship with ayahuasca and like why you were curious or just kind of take us into the world of Kyle and ayahuasca. Yeah. You know, I, I stumbled across, um, psychedelics late teenage, I think it was around 19. Um, and I had this experience with psilocybin that kind of helped me relive my near death experience and help to, um, I guess like recontextualize some of that trauma and some of the existential angst that I had. And so that was really kind of like my first, um, I guess like exposure to psychedelics and really opened me up to the world of um, psychedelia. And of course, you know, that just being able to like have this experience and it resonated so much um, with dying that like, it just made me so curious. So obviously I started to, I think the first book I really picked up was uh, Rick Strassman's book, uh, DMT, the spirit yeah. molecule. And, you know, sure. I didn't even pick it up because of the, the word DMT, I didn't pick it up because of psychedelics. I picked it up because I was walking through the bookstore and I saw, I forget what the subtitle is, but it said something about mystical and near-death experiences. And I said, uh, this looks interesting. So I picked it up and bought it. Um, and so I think that was like my, you know, first exposure to ayahuasca or, you know, just the concept of DMT, psilocybin, ayahuasca. And I'm reading all these reports um, after the psilocybin experience that I had. And I started to just formulate some ideas of, you know, what the hell happened during my near-death experience. Could I have had an endogenous release of dmt because psilocybin is you know like this orally active dose of dmt um and since it felt so similar like what's going on there so you know ayahuasca has always kind of intrigued me um since stumbling across it at like 20 or however old i was at that time um and I've always been called to to do it. Like it felt like I had something that I always wanted to do. Um, and I had some opportunities, uh, you know, I knew some folks that, you know, were either facilitating um, when I got a little bit older around like 22, 23, 24. And there was something inside of me that said, not yet, um, you know, just wait a little bit more. And at that point I was also, um, you know, I had access to be able to do um, psilocybin and also a lot of um, breath work. And so I really put some of uh, the psychedelic work on hold for a bit um, to dive in and do a lot of breath work training. Um, I found that that was actually really helpful for me during that time to get grounded. Um, my psychedelic experiences, I think, with all like um, trying to in intellectualize my experiences really kind of took me out of my body and, and breath work helped me kind of to come back. And so, um, yeah, you know, every time ayahuasca called to me, I always felt like I got this message. It was like, wait a minute. And I'm glad that I listened to it because the couple times I was going to do it, um, 
I found out just some like strange things, like the one ceremony I was going to do. Um, you know, I found out that these FedEx people dropped off some packages with, which I guess delivered some spirits and the shaman got sick during that ceremony. And, um, I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't do it that time. Um, and you know, there was just like interesting things that unfolded in these ceremonies that I was going to go to and it just never really felt ideal. So, yeah, I just always got this message of like, wait, like what I need to teach you is something, you know, that you're not going to be able to hear until, you know, until you're a little bit older. Um, and so, you know, I really just stuck with my work with death work um, and doing a lot of somatic work during that time. And so I finally got the call and uh, opportunity opened up just back in um, January 2020 and decided to, to finally answer that call. Yeah, how and how timely too, right before everything went down. Oh, <laughs> it's man. Like, yeah. It's, you know, yeah, so um, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to uh, talk more about um, integration a little bit later because you're, you're mentioning some incredible things, breath work and somatic work. Uh, but yeah, take us, you know, tell us a little bit um, yeah, tell us about like your preparation process and like, you know, how did you feel the weeks leading up to it? And yeah, take us fully into it. Yeah. So, you know, kind of being in this world and, and teaching about prep and integration, um, I was really trying to listen to some of my own advice here. And, you know, for because <laughs> I, you know, with breath work and some of the other psychedelic work, we say, you know, the process really begins when you make that conscious decision to engage in this work. Right. And, you know, when I finally bought the plane ticket and everything was confirmed, I could definitely feel the process starting to unfold. Um, my dreams right. were starting to get more vivid. There was more, um, you know, very interesting archetypal imagery coming through my dreams. I started to feel a lot of emotions arise. And within the month of going there, the intensity definitely got um, increased. Um, I just noticed the different emotions that were starting to arise from, you know, this like frustration, anxiety, like a lot of dips here and there of like, am I really ready for this? Like, um, you know, just I, I've had all these different life changes. And so, you know, there's obviously some like fears of like, wow, what am I going to confront down there? Like, you know, I've been doing all this work, but you know, there's, I think all those healthy fears. Um, sure. Sure. I remember listening to, or I remember watching this video um, about some snowboarders being out in uh, Alaska. And, you know, when I was watching this, they, they said, if you're not afraid to be out here, you shouldn't be out here. And, you know, my younger self, it's like, oh, no, I'd love to be out there. That wouldn't make me afraid. Um, and then so converting that to working with psychedelics, I think there should be a little bit of like healthy fear there because you never know what you're going to confront. Right. Um, sometimes right. the medicine has its own agendas, you know, and you just never know what's going to come up in the, in, in the psyche. So, you know, dealing with some of this healthy fear and anxiety for about a month. And then, you know, I was doing a lot of journaling. I was doing a lot of dream work. I was trying to make a ritual around it to really track what was going on. Um, and then, 
you know, about the two weeks of dieta definitely increased a lot of stuff, like cutting all the salt and trying to cut sugar out of my diet. I think the hardest thing I had um, difficulty with was my caffeine intake and made me realize how addicted to coffee I am. Um, and it's not even like that bad of an addiction, right? It's like one cup a day, but I just trying to get off of coffee and disrupt that, that habit was, was really, really sure, difficult. For sure. um, so, you know, then you're dealing with all these like withdrawal symptoms and your body's starting to like detox a little bit. And then you're dealing with all those other types of frustrations and desires and, you know, just the yes. you know, crappy, um, during during that that struggle's real yeah yeah <laughs> and i did it during the holiday which was definitely a, uh, a test for me oh, man, i remember yeah. like you know my family's putting like a prime rib on the table and i'm like sitting down oh, with my like goodness. lightly curried like sweet potatoes and lentils and rice and <laughs> no flavor i was like oh my god i really picked the, the right week to do this dieta i mean it's really testing me right 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 yeah. You, you sound like you stuck to it though. So for sure. Yeah, I tried. I, I really tried to stick to it as, as best as I could. You know, I think I got a little maybe um, obsessive about it. Like I was trying to read everything and seeing so many like kind of conflicting um, dietas out there, but you know, I'm sure. I tried to try to do the best that I could um, because, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. if we're signing up for this stuff. We should really show up for ourselves and um totally. and really kind of commit to that process and so I, I really wanted to commit to this process and and um even though it was really difficult and it was during you know the holidays where it's so easy to cheat but you know it felt like a, a test for myself of like am i ready for this and if i am then i should really commit to to it totally yeah and i like i like what you're saying here i think this is important even for listeners it's like there is something about making that decision. You know, I've experienced that myself and then your dreams start kind of changing and things just start kind of popping up. And it, it's, it's kind of an interesting process. And I, and I think especially with ayahuasca, there's definitely a particular way that I've noticed that she communicates in these really subtle ways. It's almost kind of creepy. I'm not, not going to lie. Um, and it's just different than other plants, yeah. plant medicines and psychedelics that I've experienced. So it's, it's interesting um, for you to kind of talk about that. Yeah. I mean, right. If, if we kind of come from that, I don't know, I guess we'll say quote unquote animistic worldview. I mean, the spirit's communicating to oh, you, right? Sure. Like it's there. Absolutely. And, and what was that voice inside of me like 10 plus years ago saying not yet um, I'll come to you. At, at a certain time and you know i'm sitting there going like is this just my own resistance is like this kind of voice real am i just making shit up um but i don't know i guess i right. kind of come totally. from a shamanic background so i tend to listen to that and i tend to believe believe in those things absolutely yeah absolutely yeah that's that's awesome um so yeah here you are in this in the thick of the diet and you're just you're doing it and um yeah take us take us deeper yeah um so yeah i was i did this down in costa rica um and mm -hmm. 
You know, it was really interesting. Um, Listen to a bunch of podcasts on the way down about people's other experiences, which probably wasn't very smart. Um, so it's like, you know, you're hearing about these these really <laughs> intense experiences and you're like, uh, I probably shouldn't be listening to this right now because you don't want to like build up all these expectations. And um I, I had a really totally. good friend that had a really challenging experience and sometimes we go through somewhat similar things. So then I'm like thinking about his experience and what I'm, what the hell am I going to go through? Um, and I do remember watching 2001 A Space Odyssey on the way down too, which is a really interesting movie to, to watch <laughs> before doing all this. Um, <laughs> but um, when, I, when I got to the retreat center, um, you know, there was a sense of like, you know, still that, that anxiety building up of like, wow, I'm really doing this. I'm really here. Um, wow, did wow, the Vomitivo yeah. early in the morning, um, our first day there, which was a, a mixture of lemongrass and I don't know what else they used. Um, maybe some apacho that was in there that was purgative. Oh, wow. Maybe not. Maybe it was just Beautiful. lemongrass too. They didn't tell us everything that was in there. Um, so, so, the, so the idea is to to drink this uh, tea or um, brew to to get you to start purging, get used to the purging process, and um, you know we're, we all kind of stood in front of each other and, and purged in front of each other, and that was a um, really interesting process, and I kind of enjoyed it. I don't know. Have you done the vomitivo um, before? I no, I haven't, but I actually thought I'm like, wow, what a fantastic preparation technique because I mean, that's true. That's, you know, I don't, I personally don't, I've only thrown up one time in the ayahuasca space with all the times I've done it. Um, but that's, that's good to get your central nervous system used to that sound because your, your sound is heightened and that whole, you know, so it doesn't like startle you yeah. in the middle of a ceremony. So that sounds that's awesome. That yeah. And kind that. of cleansing your system out beforehand, you know, like, um, exactly. yeah, it felt, yeah, it felt really good. Um, so the first we had, I attended four ceremonies over the week. Um, the first one was kind of like that low dose diagnostic night, trying to see how we all respond to the ayahuasca. Um, and, you know, as it started to come on and go, oh, God, this again, you know, why did I sign up for this? I, I know this feeling. Um, and it actually wasn't that bad. Um, you know, I had some experiences of like, you know, seeing some blockages in me and it did feel like kind of di diagnostic of like, okay, like I can start seeing what I need to work on. But like um, other than some of the, you know, difficult like oh shit moments of like oh this feeling of the come up anxiety which i think is pretty normal for all psychedelics of like oh i, I know sure, this sure. um it was yeah. actually really really nice um you know i felt like the plants were kind of singing to me and um just kept having these visuals of you know something working on a cellular cellular level um and yeah, and, yeah. you know, the, the next um, two ceremonies after that were, you know, I wouldn't say that they were in, I mean, there was parts of like, there's intensity, but overall, the first three ceremonies that I had were, I would say, kind of mild, um, definitely healing. It felt sure. like the plants were working on me. And part of it, the message that I got was that, you know, we're starting to form a relationship. Um, and one of the yes. messages that I got was like, you know, 
I'm not just going to show you things right off the bat. We need to we need to communicate a little bit and, and get to know you. And in in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I didn't have any of the, the physical purging of puking or, or anything like that. And um, you know, I actually, you know, you always hear like how terrible ayahuasca uh, tastes and. <clears throat> Uh, I was just actually listening to a, an audiobook where Graham Hancock was describing the taste of uh, ayahuasca, talking about yeah. like you know rotten socks and battery acid and this and that, and oh it was gosh. funny because I didn't get that sense. I mean, it was bitter, but yeah, like yeah, you know, I, I I had this sense that wow, it kind of tastes like cacao. Um, and you know, sure. I was like holding it in my mouth and, and really trying to figure out like what all these floral notes were. Um, and I actually didn't really mind the taste of it um, for the for the four ceremonies. Right. I found it to be a really interesting taste. And, um, I don't know, maybe because I've had like very bitter cacao, I've seemed to appreciate some of the bitterness. Yeah, for sure, for um, sure, yeah. So yeah, like those first three ceremonies were were okay, and I, and I was thinking like you know I've had way more stranger and outer body, transpersonal alien experiences and some of my earlier psilocybin experiences, and I and I told the one facilitator that was like you know I was expecting something a little bit more intense, like I've definitely had more intense experiences on psilocybin, um, and the facilitator said something along the lines of. Yeah, you know, some of these psychedelics have big doorways um, and it's easier to kind of get there. But ayahuasca has this smaller doorway. And once she rips you through that smaller doorway, things will get pretty intense. And I thought that was an interesting analogy um, because, you know, during those first three ceremonies, that's the message that I kept getting was like, we're building a relationship, right? Like we need to like tune your system to really receive some of this information. And, you know, um, are we able to communicate on some level? So the the fourth ceremony that we had was the um what was called the Arcana ceremony. It was kind of going to be the closing ceremony, and most people wow. took, you know, smaller doses for for the most. Um, and so I decided to do a third of a cup, and thinking like, ah, you know, maybe I want something more mild. Maybe since I've had these experiences, maybe I'll be a little bit more sensitive to it. And you know, I was. The, the shamans, the maestros, maestro, like went around and, and, and did their singing. And after that, um, I didn't really feel much. And so, you know, I, I kept hearing, sure. you know, you need to ask for help. And you asking for help is asking for another dose. And so. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> right yeah, so I, I asked for just a quarter of a cup. So I ended up taking a cup, right. which. I took a cup the, the, the previous two nights. And so all the doses were pretty much the same besides the first night. And so this is where I come to psychedelics aren't necessarily dose dependent and you could take the same dose mm -hmm. over and over again mm -hmm. and you could get a totally different experience. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I, I took this quarter of the cup and that really set me off. As soon as I, I, I sipped it, I knew this was going to be it because I could feel that bad taste everybody was talking about that was much harder to swallow um i guess when the medicine in you sure. and 
So that one was really deep, this ceremony. And it was on um, the night of a full moon and I think a lunar eclipse. I think, I forget mm -hmm. where the moon was. So oh, the, the energy, astrological energy was already heightened. And um, I got transported actually back to my near-death experience. And so I started doing a lot of deep kind of somatic work. And... Um, I, I I started to see myself back in the CAT scan machine, and I, I was watching myself shake in this CAT scan machine of a sixteen-year-old slowly dying, and it was interesting. I, I started comparing my shaking to an animal dying, and and seeing how you know we mm -hmm. basically are animals at times when it comes to death, and. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was it was really interesting because I started to tap into something that I haven't I've, I haven't tapped into in over sixteen years, and that was the fear of dying, um, and the fear of death. And so, um, you know, in in previous psychedelic experience I've I've had, you know, there's always been this like, oh shit, I'm dying type of thing, and this was this was much different because um, usually when I tell that near death experience story. I usually tell it from a perspective of like, as I was in the cat scan machine, there was a lot of bliss. There was a lot of love. Um, but this time around, I actually started to process the fear of, I was actually fucking terrified that I wasn't going to wake up. Um, and so I started to breathe through it and, and really do a lot of like deep somatic releasing. Um, and, you know, thinking about that, I don't think I could have done that work years ago. I think it. I needed to kind of go through some of these other processes in my life to learn about kind of like the somatic processing, dig deep into breath work, and actually allow myself to develop some sense of safety within my body that I could process that deep, deep fear that I hold deep, deep down in my body. And so this was a really huge eye-opening yeah. experience for me of going, wow, like all these experiences and waiting, I think this is why, because I needed to develop these different tools to help me regulate so I could go there um, and actually witness wow. that fear on a different level. Um, and so that was really healing in a sense to be able to go there and actually acknowledge that, um, you know, I, I had fear while I was in the CAT scan machine, even though when I talk about it, I talk about this bliss and light and love. Um, but, you know, deep, deep, deep down inside, I was fucking terrified, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that was just a really big insight to even think about because I never really thought about that in 16 years. Um, so it was a very deeply profound experience. Um, and after I was going through that, the ceremony ended and I was deep in the medicine and was like, oh shit, everybody's resolving their stuff. And I probably have another four hours by myself in this. Um, and, and, and thankfully, um, you know, I had some people stay up with me just to hang out, but um you know, it, it definitely right. got intense after the ceremony and officially ended. Um, I know, yeah, yeah. After they right, closed, right, yeah. After you know, we were able to leave the Maloka and um, kind of go about doing what we wanted to do. Yeah, 
So I kind of, I kind of want to dial in on um, something you, you said. So yeah, like, um, so like, cause you didn't go into that ceremony, like thinking like, Oh, this is what I'm going right. to work on. No. Right. And I, yeah. And I, and I think, I think that's, that's like, that's the, mis- that's the beautiful part of psychedelics and um, definitely with ayahuasca. Cause I think she's so good at like, I, I don't know, just, I guess how I explain it is like this intelligence, yeah. you know? Um, and I, I wanted to know more, like, so when, when you were going through that, like, were you actually yeah. shaking? Like, yeah, I was shaking. shaking. I caught myself breathing very heavily as I was breathing in the CAT scan machine. I could feel myself shivering. Um, and yeah, I really allowed my body to, to shake um, and, and re-experience that what i was experiencing in the cat scan machine there yeah and i i just i kind of wanted to zoom in on that because like i've just i've had some incredible somatic experiences um with with a variety of of meaning making around them you know but just the the physical release i've experienced in this medicine is 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 definitely Mm. beyond me I don't know if that makes sense, but nothing that I feel like I could have facilitated on my own. And um, I just, I think that's so um, important for people to hear that it's like healing. When people hear about like these different experiences, like, um, you know, maybe they think it's cognitive work or, or um, I'm, I'm not too sure, but I think like some of the somatic stuff is some of the most powerful. I think so too. And maybe I'm a little biased because I come from that somatic world. <laughs> But, and I, I, I think I approached a lot of healing, especially in my early years with psychedelics as a very cognitive, like, I'm going to go into these realms and figure everything out. I'm going to put the puzzle pieces together. And sure. I mean, it wasn't until I started doing breath work and actually had a very interesting physical therapy session that really kind of started to lead me towards um, somatic that really made me realize how much of tr- traumas and how many memories are actually stored in the body and what happens when we can really develop the skill set to go into those experiences um and learn how to you know release some of the that those experiences and memories and, and traumas in our body um so you know i i think we hold a lot of that inside and i think this is where these somatic skills and techniques are really helpful to be able to go in there and release it versus just cognitively thinking about it and intellectualizing my experience is to actually feel it right there's that phrase you got to you got to feel it right, to heal right. it um, instead of just like oh I'll think about it right, and it will right. get healed like sometimes we have to go into the experience totally. to, and feel it Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, ayahuasca and, and everything you're, we'll get into integration here in a second is, um, yeah, just so, so good at that. Um, so I kind of interrupted you. I'm sorry. So yeah. So you guys were, you're wrapping up the fourth, uh, ceremony night and then, um, yeah, please continue. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was a, the the last ceremony was really interesting, just kind of like hanging out. Um, 
on the star deck at the, the uh, place I was at had this really nice star deck overlooking the water and just being out in nature. Um, but, you know, it, it was interesting to just think about like my, what I teach other people of like, you know, Oh my God, this feels like it's going to last forever. And like sitting there going, okay, Kyle, like you took this around X time you know this is this is how long it usually lasts and and it was funny i had to like because everybody was like done with their ceremony and i was like oh man i feel like i'm gonna be in this for the next like four to five hours (laughs) but um yeah you know this was there was a lot of interesting things that were happening there but i think like the main takeaway that i got from this medicine was that like it's always with us it's inside of us and i think the one thing that I, I went back in my journals not too long ago just to to read about those experiences. And a lot of the nights I just talked about this like DNA type of healing. Like the medicine was like in in me doing some sort of repair work. And that's always kind of there if we can really kind of start to tune into it and create that environment for it to heal. And you know, how can we connect with that even when the medicine's not around? Um and so it, it was really interesting to, I guess, uh, just feel that, you know, because a lot of people talk about like, you know, that it feels like it's working on these like DNA type levels. And, you know, I've had some experience like that with psilocybin early on, but not to that extent. This felt very different. This felt like the plants are like working on a different level with me, which was it, it, really cool, really interesting experience. Yeah, I, I love that. That I've I've experienced that too, and I know I've heard other people talk about just what you said right there is like um, healing on a much deeper level, healing on a DNA level. Um, I've even heard people write yeah. like psychic surgery stuff, and uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's incredible. Um, so yeah, so you you wrap up ceremony at this retreat. This is your first time. And then, um, yeah, I think I kind of did want to hear about your integration process too. So you, you get ready to go home and, um, yeah. And then, and then what? Yeah. Coming back to, to reality. Um, so I knew I needed some downtime. So I really tried to block off, um, you know, at least like a week or so. And, you know, I guess, thankfully I'm able to do that. Um, you know, having, having my business and whatnot. And I know most people may not be able to do that, but I really tried to block in some of that downtime so I could really be with myself. Um, I was doing a lot of journaling, still keeping up my dreams and just recording things. Um, And then also thinking about like different changes I wanted to make. How am I going to move some of this forward? Um, So then starting to think about like, a different plan, like different plans of what am I going to do now? Like I have this new information, like how do I start to, to plant these seeds? So, you know, I did some work with that, just like visioning what the next few weeks and months could look like, what I want to be working on. Um, and then, you know, I tried to stay open to the process and the next few months were very flowy. Um, you know, different opportunities started to emerge. Um, and it just felt like this organic process really started to unfold in a very lovely way by sticking, I guess, with that process and staying open to it and really trusting the medicine in a sense. Um, and then 
COVID right. happened, which was, uh, uh, that was, it felt like it just put a, a, a stop on some of the work at times, but also, also not sure. like, I'm actually really thankful how things were unfolding. Like I was really trying to force a lot of change at times of like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, make these big moves. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm actually really thankful that like I kept hitting these roadblocks with some of those changes because when COVID hit, um, you know, I was still with family at the time and living out more in a rural part of New Jersey and, you know, New Jersey got hit pretty hard um, early on. And I was like, this almost feels like a blessing. Like I'm kind of still stuck out in the countryside of New Jersey with family and I'm not in a more congested area where I was planning on maybe moving to um, and, and doing other things. And so, you know, I really encourage people to trust that process, even if it feels like there's a lot of resistance and you're really trying to force something. Like, what does it feel like to really just lean into it at times, even though it may feel very uncomfortable of like, uh, um, but, you know, there's these times when I just really was trying to to focus on making this change. It was like there's something else that was just like kind of stopping it um and yeah what is that like to really i guess like trust the medicine there's a phrase that um i learned or a saying that i learned during um part of this the maps mdma training was uh this was by shannon um claire over there shannon carlin um don't get ahead of the medicine and i think that's really really important like insight Mm -hmm. even even during during ceremony because sometimes we can get so caught up with these insights these downloads and we go oh we got it all figured out but like what does it feel like to actually stick with the medicine and not get ahead of your own process to really trust it um and and to stay with it and i think that's that's really important integration advice um you know it's important integration advice for me um during that time of like i kept having to remind myself i want to make these big changes but also how do i not get ahead of it um and how do i how do i stick with it yeah Yeah, that makes me think of just like, right, just learning how to stay present and like, you know, taking one day at a time. And that's, I feel like that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. And that's definitely something that I could use today. So thank you for that. (laughs) Um, Okay, nice. So yeah, um, I'm just trying to think here. So yeah, because since you are so, you're incredibly knowledgeable like with integration and um, for our listeners there, Kyle and Joe Moore his the co-founders, co-owners of psychedelics today. They have an incredible psychedelic integration handbook and also workbook. Um, you can get that on Amazon and yeah, Amazon for a physical copy too, right? and then psychedelics today shop. You can download the digital PDF if you just want to download that and print it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that's such a good resource um, because I feel like after these experiences, it's like, how do I translate? And this is what I, you know, even with my clients, it's cha- it's very challenging to translate some of the spiritual nuggets, so to speak, that we that we earn yeah. right <laughs> in, in these experiences, and um, how to really bring them into our everyday life. Um, so you can definitely look at their resources there. But I was also just wondering, um, 
from a personal take, like what has helped you lately? You know, um, I think I've gone through seasons of integration patterns and it's, I'm always trying to change it up. So, yeah, you know, something that's been helping me lately is trying to be more gentle with my integration process. Um, You know, I think there can sometimes be this huge need to want to make big, drastic changes and just reminding ourselves that it's okay if that doesn't happen and if things start to change directions and to also be a little bit easy on ourselves when, you know, we say maybe we have like a relapse of different habits that we're trying to change or a relapse of like different symptoms Um, and to really just be present with all that. Um, it, it was really interesting to have this like really big experience and feel so motivated and feel so open. And then, you know, everything with COVID just kind of like put this like clamp down and also produce a lot of anxiety. Right. And then there's like a part of me that's going, oh, I had such good movement. And, you know, now I feel like things kind of got paused and I feel like I'm kind of like relapsing with a little bit of anxiety and, you know, ups and downs with my mood. And it's like, wait a minute, like, that's so okay. I mean, granted everything that's going on, like we're not going to stay in that blissed out state all the time. Um, And how do we really just stick with like the present moment? And so I think one of the blessings too, that has kind of come out of um, COVID at times is the slowing down and actually being okay with like trying to move slowly, spending more time out in nature. This over the summer, I had like, you know, a bunch of garden plots going and just trying to grow food and finding myself doing a lot more yard work than normal. Um, And I think that was actually really helpful to just kind of be grounded and in my body and try to connect with nature on a different level. And I guess like if the lockdown didn't happen, I don't know, I probably would have just been like, going warp speed trying to get a million things done um so to some extent it was really helpful to kind of have that slow down and they were really good reminders for myself going oh yeah like this is what really matters to me is being able to just like spend time in nature spend time with you know family friends and um you know those are the important things in life and i mean that's how i always felt even after like my near-death experience i was like you know uh we get so caught up in, in in other things at times, and we sometimes forget about the the little things that are really important in our life. And I always try to make that center to my life and be like, okay, if 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 I'm not feeling fulfilled in those ways that feel really important, I'm starting to forget about that. Like, how do I slow down so I can remember that? Um, life's pretty short, and uh, I always. I guess <clears throat> death is always on my shoulder in some sense. And I try to, I guess, uh, live as if I will die tomorrow um, in some sense. I mean, obviously, we get caught up in that. It, that kind of escapes my mind from time to time. But I mean, that definitely is a meditation for me of like, how do I really want to show up each day and live my life? Um, and where am I like putting my attention, my time, my, my, you know, everything. Um, and how do I want to, um, you know, reorganize that. So I feel more connected with myself, nature, the universe and the people around me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. I mean, so a lot of, a lot of mindfulness is what I'm hearing. Um, just being present and, um, which is, you know, with, 
in, in my worldview, um, the Western culture at large can certainly use everything you just said, which is slowing down and being in the moment more than producing and doing and, um, which there's nothing wrong with those two, but we definitely are, are looking for that balance. So yeah, that was good. Good points. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so since then, so that was, that's been your first and only experiences with, yeah. with ayahuasca. Yep, yeah. First, and first time. And so, and so since then, have you kind of been like, you know, wondering, have you been getting the knock or is it, is there anything going on with that? Or are you? No, yeah, right I, definitely. I, I feel the knock, um, here and there, uh, that, 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 that's for sure. Oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. But I'll probably put a hold on it until things feel safer to do more group work. Um, I am a little immunocompromised mm-hmm. not having a spleen. So I've been also trying to be really careful um, how, how I go about my day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is important. Right, so in right. due time, I'm sure yeah. it will, um, you know, present yeah. yourself again. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's interesting how you brought the taste because um, I was going to ask you about that. And that's that's funny that Graham said that I socks and battery acid. And I, I've had mixed reviews with it too. It either tastes like coffee to me or um, it, it depends like if it's the Peruvian versus like uh, there's a type of vine that grows like it's mm. I guess it's more considered Hawaiian. But that tastes like... Um, there's like this licorice you can buy in the health food store. It usually has like a little panda on it. And I was like, Oh, this tastes like panda licorice. Like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm for, I love coffee and I love panda licorice. Yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm it's, it. um, <laughs> you know, it really depends on the brew, right? If people are just brewing, right. Different places where it's growing, Correct. are they just using the chacruna and the copy vine or are they adding a bunch of different admixtures to it? So they're adding right. other plants. So yeah, there's a lot of diversity in ayahuasca brew that's really going to change the flavor. That is very true. Yeah. Um, okay, sweet. Well, this, I kind of want to like go into advertising cool. some of your stuff here. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I see on your website, you have like a ton of groups that I actually didn't know about till this morning. So, um, yeah, you have a spiritual emergence group and then also an awakening healers group. Um, yeah, you want to you want to talk and then your your coaching. Do you want to talk about any of that? Your, your breathwork stuff. Kyle do, does it all. Yeah, somehow it gets done. Um, yeah, through through right. Setting Sun Wellness, yeah. uh, I've been offering a few different groups. Um, a friend of mine, Michelle Hobart, um, we will sometimes lead just drop in spiritual emergence groups for people that just want to like come and share um, their experiences. And then we host a longer six week program called Awakening Healers for people that have had a spiritual emergence process or just kind of in their awakening um they had an awakening experience and just learning how to integrate and work with it um and we'll probably launch that again sometime in the new year Um, we just wrapped up our our last class and then um 
yeah also uh, another fun one that i just did with my friend lucas is an inner work group so it's an eight-week group to kind of dive into psyche um, a lot of dream work did some online breath work online journey work um and really kind of focus on this uh process work so um really kind of working with process within our own experience and um yeah, so that's through settingsunwellness.com. You can learn more there. And then on Psychedelics Today's side, we run a lot of psychedelic education. So um, providing training and education for clinicians, coaches, therapists that, that want to get involved in this space and just kind of learn the landscape. Um, so, yeah, definitely doing a lot of things here and there, which is exciting. Keeps me busy. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's it's definitely, you know, it's all connected to um, the psychedelic work and, and all the things. So we're we're super uh, grateful that you're here. You know, um, you're doing amazing yeah, things you. in the world. Thank so you. thank you, you well. so much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, what a pleasure to hear about your ayahuasca experience. And I'm glad it didn't <laughs> taste like battery acid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think you know um i think that slowing down is really like a message that a lot of people wouldn't expect but i think a lot of us need to hear that you know it's like in the slowing down like so much so much yeah and I, I feel like we just don't live in a culture that appreciates slowing down because it's not productive um but you know, I, th I think it's also important for our mental health as well. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Well, okay. Any, um, any other last comments or, um, maybe some words of wisdom for our audience? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, as we're talking about psychedelics and, you know, just kind of talking about that call. Um, you know, it can be really important to listen to your intuition and try not to rush it, even though it feels like it could be very powerful and life, life transformative. Um, I always really err on the side of caution and, and um, you know, really take your time to prepare for an experience, listen to your intuition and, and you know, don't rush into it. Right. Because these are very powerful substances, powerful plant teachers, and they can really open us up to a lot of different, um, you know, worldviews. And um, I think being able to prepare, develop those skill sets can actually maximize the benefit um, instead of kind of going into it blindly at times. Um, and so, yeah, just I, I really really just want to encourage people to listen to your intuition listen to your body um and yeah just and also slow down if you can <laughs> it's important absolutely absolutely yeah that's great advice yeah, yeah. thank you Ayla thank Skakar. you so really much Kyle. i've had so much fun talking yeah yeah um yeah, guys. And um, if you have any questions or comments or you want to know more about Kyle, I'll put all his information below so you can get a hold of him and also the links to some of the incredible integration materials that him and Joe have put together. Um, and yeah, this has been the multi-dimensional journey. Thanks uh, for stopping by everyone. And as always, remember why you